All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 147 of the DFO Rundown presented by Montana's, where all-you-can-eat rib fest is on now until September 12th. Also, try their limited Big Grill Trio, four bones of their in-house smoked pork back ribs, a fired grilled chicken breast, both sauce to your liking, and two grilled shrimp skewers brushed with a garlicky Cajun glaze. Find out more with the hashtag GetMontanasMessy. As we, uh, I'm Jason Greger. We welcome in uh, Frank Saravalli. Frank, few weeks off. How are you doing? I am good. Uh, we were talking about a garlicky glaze. I have been in a garlicky malaise over the last few weeks, just trying to uh, trying to relax. Had a busy couple of weeks. I felt like in some ways couldn't really put my phone down until that Matthew Kachuk trade came down. I uh, was fortunate enough to be all over that one. And that was a whopper, Jay. Maybe the biggest trade we've seen in the last two decades. Uh, wow. Still processing that one. You know, I, I get Brad Trailing a lot of credit. Like, I don't know many people that thought they would get a hundred point player, uh, a legit top four, probably top two right defenseman, a first rounder and a prospect. Now I understand that Huberto and Weger both have to sign, you know, for that trade to look better, but 
if, even if only one of them signs, you get a first, a legit player and a, and a, and a prospect for, for Matthew Kachuk. It's, it's not as dire as it looked like the Thursday before the trade Frank, that you broke people in Calgary were just like, Oh my, are they going into a rebuild? What are they doing? And literally that, that trade really changed the mindset of a lot of flames fans. Yeah. It puts them right back. You know, you could even make the argument now back in the driver's seat in the Pacific and we'll get to our guest a little bit later on John Klingberg, who signed with the Anaheim docks on a one year, $7 million deal. One of the things Klingberg said in our interview was the Pacific is wide open. Well, the flames were probably a team after losing Kachuk and Goudreau. And had you not known what the return for Kachuk was, you'd say probably not even a playoff team, not in the mix. Now all of a sudden you take Johnny Goudreau and replace him with another part trophy candidate and, you know, similar type skill set in the sense of his creativity, his dynamic play, playmaking ability. And all of a sudden you go, well, there's not really any drop off there. It's going to hurt losing Kachuk, but their back end is going to be pretty solid. Now they've always had the goaltending. I don't know. Like I, I think that team is, is still right there. And now, you know, people were asking me for the grade of the trade and I know you had just hit on it, but with those two guys being pending unrestricted free agents, I it's, that'd be like asking me on draft day to grade winners and losers. Like you, you don't know for, in that case, five years, in this case, ask me again in March and I'll give you a grade on the trade. Yeah. I said at the time, the potential of the deal is quite good for Calgary. Now, Florida, uh, you know, that they signed Kachuk to a you know $9.5 million deal. They clearly felt like they needed a different mix to their team. Right. Like I, I like the Huberto for Kachuk. I'm like, okay, hundred point guys, hundred point guys, you know, they're, they're different styles of wingers. No question about how they play. Right. Kachuk's more of a, of a finisher. Huberto is definitely a, a playmaker. He, he doesn't have the, the edge uh, that Kachuk has, but he's ultimately highly skilled. What did you make of it from a Florida perspective? I, I love it. And I, this isn't me being Pollyannish at all. When I give this answer, I like the trade for both teams. Because if you're Florida, you're getting a player who's just entering the real prime of his career at age 24. You now have him locked up for the next eight years, and he's an absolute unicorn in the NHL. There are so few players on the planet that can do what Matthew Kachuk does, not just from a skill perspective, but a size a meanness factor um, and the energy that he brings. He's one of those heartbeat players. He's the heartbeat of the Calgary flames. He was for the last number of years. And now he's going to a Florida team that is loaded with talent. And with all due respect to Alexander Barkov, who I think everyone believes is a great leader and, and obviously a fantastic player. I just think the energy in that group is a lot different. Now you have someone you know, and I don't want to say that Alexander Barkov doesn't uh, grab the bull by the horns, but in this case, it feels like they have someone in Matthew Kachuk that can do some of that to take some of that requirement off the plate of Barkov, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. I think it adds just a different element. Um, He's not an in-your-face guy, Barkov, right? No. No, and and Kachuk, Kachuk was although uh, the, the only negative about the Kachuk trade is that uh, we don't get to see Kachuk and Evander Kane go at it more because I don't know if you saw Kane uh, response like clearly there's no love loss there. Uh, Kane in an interview just said basically because Matthew Kachuk really you didn't notice him in games two to five of that series and Kane he said basically hurt. that he goes hey some guys can chirp but they don't like it when you chirp them 
So, uh, you know, I, I wish we'd see uh, Florida and Edmonton play more often. In the I like any rivalries where guys literally don't like each other. But Kachuk will go in. The Tampa, I'll tell you right now, Tampa He said fans, it right away. Tampa and Florida fans, that rivalry is pretty heated. It's only going to intensify because Matthew Kachuk almost single-handedly brought the Battle of Alberta back to life. You know, well, he started it, right? And then Cassian, of course, snapped. And then that led to the goalie fight. And it was something that he hadn't seen in a long time in Alberta. And I suspect, even though the Florida-Tampa series has been pretty heated, Kachuk just has an unreal ability to annoy people and infuriate them. And uh, it's going to be fun to watch because those are two really good teams. Yeah. And I love that he said it right off the hop in his initial press conference. I used to hate Edmonton. Now I hate Tampa. What I love about the trade though, is that the battle of Alberta stays on because, you know, go back and read the quotes, read the tweets on social media in the days leading up to the Kachuk trade. Everyone's saying, well, the battle of Alberta was fun while it lasted. The reason the rivalry heated up was, yeah, the tension was great, but it was also because you had two really good teams Yep. And now Calgary still has the opportunity to be a really good team. While I think Edmonton is going to remain one. And uh, speaking of the Pacific, uh, John Klingberg will be our guest and uh, he goes to the ducks. You know, he had to wait. He ended up uh, firing his, his agent uh, uh, in, in between this, Frank, you know, he signed late in the process. When you consider he was, he was one of the top two or three marquee free agents out there. Does this remind you different position of Taylor Hall a few years ago with the Buffalo Sabres? Yes and no. I mean, I think there were a ton of questions about Taylor Hall's game at that point. I don't, do you sense really all the same questions about Klingberg? No, not if you're looking at it from that, but it was more so a one-year deal, got pretty good money and then ended up getting traded to a good team and and signed there. Yeah. I mean, I understand the comparison. Like, do you think he stays in Anaheim? I think it depends on how competitive the team is. Like I, I believe that and you'll hear him answer some of the questions about it, but he alluded to the idea of staying there longer term. And, and it's interesting that that's when the full no move sort of ends in his contract January 1st, when he has the ability to then ultimately resign to a longer term deal. I think that ducks team I, I, don't, I don't know what to make of them. Like they're not, they were sort of tearing it down to the studs, at least in terms of the guys that they were taking off of their team. Like think back to pre deadline, pre Pat Verbeek, how different that team looked. Hampus Lindholm, Josh Manson, Ricard Raquel, they all end up leaving and they end up now kind of being in a spot where they were so short of the salary cap floor that they had to spend money And at the very least, what they've done here with John Klingberg is bought themselves in cash money. What would likely be, I would imagine, a first round pick coming back should they decide to not re-sign him long term, given that he's going to be a pending UFA. Yeah, well... You know, they, they bring him in, uh, Ryan Strom, Frank Vitrano, and, and they still have room to sign uh, some more forwards, Frank. I would expect so them to. So are they to- better or worse? That's the thing I can't wrap when I said I don't know what to make of them. I don't I don't know how to answer the question. Yeah, that's a fair point, right? Like, you know, Strom Vitrano and Klingberg, is that better than Manson, uh, Lindholm, and Raquel? Um, if they stay healthy, they, they might be. It's a different mix for sure. Right. Um, obviously, goaltending. Uh, John Gibson's going to need to be better 
right? He's had three consecutive years of it, basically a 904 save percentage, right? And and the thing is, people will sometimes say, yeah, but the team in front of him, sure. But his backup, Anthony Stolarz, when he plays, he's had a significantly higher uh, save percentage. I know that's just one stat, but it's it's fairly important if you want to win games. And yeah, you, you know what? Like Mason McTavish, they've got a young team in Anaheim. Like I still think Anaheim may be a year or two away, Frank, but I think... I think I see progress coming this season for the Ducks. I don't know if it's good enough to, to you know, can they match what the LA Kings did last year? Because LA was a surprise team. Right? I don't think many people thought LA Kings would be a playoff team, especially with all the injuries on the back end, but they did it. So, you know, can Anaheim do that? That they would have to, it would be a surprise. Yeah. yeah, it would be a surprise, but it's LA Kings, I guess, showed it's possible. I like the Kings. And like, they're a team that got better this summer. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So Kevin Fiala, you bring an 85 point player, even if he's, as I've said it, even if he's only 75 point player, that's pretty good. Now, uh, before we get to Klingberg, uh, quickly on uh, Nazem Kadri, what are you, uh, what are you hearing on Kadri, Frank? Hey, here we are, one of the, the bigger names and we're into August. He hasn't signed. Yeah. You know, it's, you hear and see the rumors out there and you don't really know quite what to make of it with the New York Islanders. Cause you're saying, okay, I, anyone could see them signing Kadri and the fact that it's gone on this long, you know, you think back to the, the day, you know, what year was it? Was it last year or two years ago when they just announced like four signings in September? Like everyone just kind of was like, okay, well, we, we have a sense. This is where these guys are going. You got to move money. Like Noah Dobson needs a new deal. Um, Romanoff needs a new deal. And who are you going to like, you have a couple options. My guess, if, if, if just want to preface this, if the Islanders are indeed signing Nazem Kadri, which is not confirmed, not guaranteed just to add to some speculation, they're going to have to move someone. And my guess would be Anthony Beauvillier. That's the name that's filtered out there from other general managers that I've talked to. They've, you know, they've heard his name, in the mix to move. And this was pre draft. So clearly that's the one player. I think the New York Islanders have on their roster that they could actually get something of value in return for, as opposed to having to push to try and unload a contract. All right. Uh, the, the other big story that's non NHL related, Frank, of course, is the ongoing uh, investigation, the house of uh, uh, commons committee hearing uh, for hockey Canada, and, uh, you know, the, what, what happened with the lawsuit and the subsequent. Now, a lot of the money they paid out stems from the Graham James dating back to 1989, over six point eight million. But they paid out another, um, you know, just under 100 million to to, to victims of, of sexual abuse and, I, I, and, and basically settled in those. And then some other one, ones, one million. Yeah. And then the other ones that insurance paid was another million over top of it. You know, there's this new story allegedly of the, you know, an investigation now into the 2003 world junior team. Uh, Do they got a, you talked about a teardown earlier with the ducks hockey, Canada, you know, Scott Smith, their CEO. Do do you think change will ultimately have to come from within that organization moving forward? I think it should. I mean, the fact that it's gone on this long, the fact that, this same group of people that have done business one certain way for a long time can now be trusted to suddenly pivot and change course and to um, do it appropriately in the right way. I, I don't know why that would be the case. And I understand that there's been a recent 
regime change in, in Tom Rennie stepping down and retiring. Um, you know, a lot of the group though, Scott Smith has been there a long time. Um, and the board of directors largely has been in place for a long time. Why do we suddenly think that a group of people that have done business one way are are all of a sudden going to change overnight? I, I personally don't see it. Um, my, you know, there's so many questions and I watched a lot of the house of Commons session, um, the last, uh, both of them actually. And like just so many different details stand out, you know, when you think back to, you know, the different approvals that would need to be in place, you know, why are there no minutes? Why are, is there no record of the discussion? Um, you know, why is it that the board of directors would approve a settlement without knowing the facts or the details as to who was involved? Why would Hockey Canada settle a claim based on people that they don't know being involved? Um, why, you know, you can ask questions about the NDAs. You can ask questions about why is it that Rick Westhead, who does a fantastic job at TSN uncovering a lot of these details, why is it that him and his reporting process can find out more than the quote private investigator that hockey Canada hired for the 2003 rumor, bad rumor that they heard. Why I I, like there's the questions are unending. And now this group is going to put forward a, you know, action plan, a a multi-pronged plan of attack to, to change how hockey Canada does business. Why should they have the right to? That's my thing is like, why, why is it the same group? Like, why wouldn't you just clean house and say, you know what we, we made not one, not two multiple egregious errors here in this process. We're going to start over. That's what any, you know, any normal business would do, especially one that would be responsible to shareholders. You'd say, sorry, that's, you know, you guys made one too many errors. You're out. Yeah. You you mentioned Westhead and, if he hadn't uncovered the 2018 settlement just recently in, in May, Frank, is Hockey Canada going to change? The only reason they're talking about change is because they got exposed. They, they, they weren't doing anything all of a sudden to say, hey, because they just did this in May. They just did this in May. So this is not something that, well, this happened four years ago and we, you know, we've changed our ways. Like this is a few, this is a few months ago. So uh, to me, there, there's lots of, uh, there, there's lots of work to do uh, within hockey. Can I know there's some people that, that get offended by the, well, hockey culture. And it's like, well, it's not just hockey. You're right. It isn't just hockey, but here's the chance for hockey to start a change that society has been unwilling to do. So don't, don't try to pass the buck and say, well, it's not just within hockey. It's everywhere. That That's kind of irrelevant. This is specifically to hockey Canada. They've made some errors clearly egregious ones at times. So fix that. And hopefully that leads to others in their businesses wanting to change because it's a big issue in society. It's not just in hockey. I understand that, but right now the spotlight's on hockey and they need to change. Yeah. This is the perfect place to start. Yeah. hundred percent. Now quickly um, let's run some uh, rapid fire. Um, Phil Kessel, uh, Patrice Bergeron, very different players. Patrice Bergeron, he's not a UFA, but are, are you hearing a one-year deal? Frank in Boston's inevitable. That's, it sounds like that's been the case for months. I think it's going to be Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci. I don't know why those deals haven't been finalized or announced, 
Um, but I'd be surprised if both those guys are not wearing the black and gold next year. Well, I'll say this about the Bruins, Frank. They were one of uh, two teams last year that had 15 players play at least 70 games. They're going to start this season. They're going to have more key injuries when the season begins than they had all of last year, right? So they need Bergeron and Krejci because, you know, McAvoy's out until at least December 1st. Uh, same with Brad Marchant. Like, they might not get those guys back until January. Um, you know, Mike Riley's banged up. Uh, Greslick is banged up. He's not back until November. So it's, it's interesting how... For from one year you go to being one of the healthiest teams to now starting is arguably the, the team starting behind the eight ball. It's crazy. Yeah. They, I, they'll find a way to hang in. That's all they have to do is hang in until, you know, us Thanksgiving. That's and, it. Uh, Phil, Phil Kessel. What, what do you think about Phil the thrill? I haven't heard anything on Phil Kessel. I think a few people have been asking. Uh, I've gotten messages about PK Subban. I haven't heard anything on either one of those guys, you know, two big name, big money players for a long time uh, that I just, I, I don't think the interest has been there. Okay. Now let's get to our uh, guest today. And our interview is brought to you by the 2022 IIHF World Juniors. But what better way to cool off than at the rink during the first ever summer World Juniors? Single game tickets for the tournament are on sale now, starting at just 40 bucks. Grab your sunglasses. The brightest stars in the junior game are coming to Edmonton as we welcome in John Klingberg. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Our guest today burst onto the NHL scene in 2014-15, scoring 40 points in 65 games as a rookie defenseman. And in his eight seasons, he has the eighth most points among D-men with 374 and 572 games. He's the pride of Gothenburg, Sweden, and the newest member of the Anaheim Ducks. John Klingberg, welcome to the DFO Rundown. How are you doing? Great, guys. How are you guys doing? We're doing good. Uh, we appreciate you doing this, John. It's uh, we're into August now, and um, how stressful has the last few weeks been for you? Are you were one of the, the big name free agents, and uh, you had to wait maybe a little bit longer. Can you take us through the last few weeks and how it was for you? Yeah, I, I think it's it's dating back to almost a year. Obviously, uh, I've had a great time here in Dallas. This is where we 
we started off and we got our daughter here and, and built a family here. So um, it, it's looking back at the year, we knew maybe uh, it was going to come down to, to go in that free agency and, uh, and take it from there. So obviously it's, it's been, it's a little bit different year than what we've been used to, but uh, we gained a lot of experience from it. And, and obviously we're, we're very happy and, and looking forward to come down to California and play for Anaheim. I guess to add to the whole experience, John, you changed your agent uh, throughout the process. Can you can you talk about that? Was that was there frustration, disappointment? What went on there? Uh, me and Peter, uh, we had a great relationship for for twelve years, and uh, he's been one of the the closest to me. Uh, but at the end of the day, I made this decision on a personal level, uh, an individual. Uh, what I thought was was best at the moment, and for me and my family, uh, so it, it was just a business decision on my end. John, looking back at the last couple of weeks, I'm sure there were a number of teams that were in the mix that were willing to offer you a one year deal. Why did you ultimately decide to go with Anaheim? What was it about them that drew you to the Ducks? Yeah, the more into free agency, obviously, uh, we understood it's going to be a shorter term contract and. Then we kind of narrowed it down to a few teams and um, where I saw myself having a good year um, on a personal level, but having success with a team uh, that I wanted to stay with and, and try to make the playoffs and have a good run there too. Uh, I saw Anaheim as the best fit, uh, obviously for myself playing in the Western Conference uh, all these eight years, uh, staying in the Western and, and playing in Pacific. I think that was a huge plus for me as well. and. Uh, if you look at Anaheim's roster, I think they have really, really interesting and talented young players that had a good year uh, last year. And I think uh, try to build on that. And uh, with the signings they did with Petrano and, and Ryan Strom as well, uh, they helped the decision as well, obviously. And if, if you look at their their core too, with Adam Henrique, Silverberg, Cam Fowler, and, and Shattenkirk, and obviously John Gibson, I think. I think the team is, is, is really good. Uh, I think they had a tough year with uh, some injuries and then COVID and all that. But uh, just looking at the team, uh, the Pacific, I think, is wide open. Uh, I think there could be, it could be a fun year and we can have a lot of success there. What is your mindset heading into a one-year deal? Obviously, you know, I think a lot of players would prefer the security, of course, getting a long-term deal if you can get it. But it doesn't matter who you are in the NHL, John. You always need to continue to prove yourself year after year. Do you look at this, you know, one-year, you know, opportunity as, as sort of freeing in the sense that you get to try something new? Do you look at it in terms of the pressure that comes with, you know, trying to get that next contract? How do you think you'll handle that mentally? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Obviously, we went into free agency looking for a long term and uh, where we where we saw I could come in and, and have success, but obviously obviously with the family situation as well, but uh it's it's a little bit different now with with COVID uh and 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 the cap is it's not moving, so it, it's a little bit different. So, obviously, uh narrow it down to a few teams. I understood I have to get a one year and as a player, you're always trying to prove yourself. Um, it's not going to change anything from my perspective. Um, I always had to prove myself for a lot of years during my career, uh, even from dating back to juniors and all that too. So, But obviously, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Um, I need to have a good year. Uh, 
and I think if the, if the team is successful, uh, I'm going to be successful on a personal level as well. So that's kind of how you treat it as well. And I had great talks with, with Pat as well, uh, yeah, leading up to this signing as well. And uh, if the team is happy with, with me and I'm happy with the team, uh, who knows what's going to happen. And that's kind of that's where we're at. John, can you do the Michigan? Do you have to do the Michigan to fit into Anaheim? Uh, <laughs> I'm probably going to let Trevor Seagrass do that. I'm not, I'm not going to be a lot of times behind the net, I feel like, but obviously as an offensive defenseman, I'm going to try to, uh, try to be involved in the offense, but I don't see myself do a lot of the Michigan snow. <laughs> what about defending it as a defender? Um, with the young guys, they're trying a lot of new things. Do you have to be more aware of it? Or do you think there's only a select group of guys that are even got the guts to try it in a game? Uh, I think it's a little bit different. Uh, obviously, when I came in as a rookie as well, everyone was saying the game's changing. But on the other side now, when I'm 30 uh, and I'm the kind of veteran, I, I I see that the game is changing too. But I think it's to the good to the good part. I mean, it's uh, it's all for uh, hockey. It's all for show. Obviously, it's it's uh, supposed to be fun. And I think when you score sickles like that or make plays, it's, it gets the crowd into it. And I think you're building the game. So I think it's great that you see a lot of young guys coming in and uh, not just watching and learn. Obviously they do that as well, but coming in and try to be themselves and, uh, and be as good as they can from the very start. If you compare Gothenburg, Sweden, where you grew up in Sweden to now living in Dallas and now in Anaheim. I'm guessing it's a little bit warmer in both of those, um, those situations. How, how different, how did, how did you make the transition? Uh, looking back to 2014, 15, John, how, how challenging was it coming over from Sweden? Uh, it was challenging. Uh, but at the same time, I was, I was in Finland for a bit. I moved to Northern Sweden. So I wasn't, living in my hometown the entire time even if i came back for one year before i moved over to to texas and the nhl so uh i kind of been around kind of been around a little bit but uh obviously coming over coming over to the u.s it's it's totally different from living in sweden but at the same time you uh you get used to it and us have had a lot of good things and we we uh we love living here obviously we we got our daughter who's born here in dallas as well so we got a little us us uh, citizen running around in the family now as well that's pretty awesome john the connections you made in dallas you could tell were real uh with your teammates who became close friends uh saw some videos and pictures from your wedding and over the last few weeks uh, it looked like one of the more fun weddings I've ever seen. Just what was it like having all your teammates uh, from Dallas uh, come over for the wedding? No, it was great. It was a lot of fun, obviously. And Sweden showed itself on the best side. We had great weather, which is not usually the part uh, with Sweden that you know you're going to have. So it, it was great. We had great weather. Uh, we had a lot of friends coming from different parts in Sweden. Obviously, I have my my old teammates come in there as well. Uh, it was great. It was a really good three couple of days. So uh, it was great. Was it also maybe a little bit of a reminder of how tough it was to leave the stars, you know, knowing that you had so many connections there and close friends? Yeah, uh, it is. At the same time, uh, I feel like those friendships is going to last uh, for a lifetime as well. It's not going to be the, be the same, obviously, seeing them every day, but um 
we've been good and staying in touch throughout the years, even in the summers as well. So uh, I'll cherish my time in Dallas for the last eight years a lot. Um, obviously, this is where I came over as a as a rookie, even if I played some senior games back home in Sweden, coming over here and uh, start your career for real. And uh, obviously, uh, building a building a family here as well. So uh, Texas and Dallas has been great for us. Uh, we cherish our time here, but very excited to to start a new chapter as well. John, as a as a as a young father with with a young family, I noticed you have a full no move clause until January first, and then it's a ten team uh, no trade clause in, in the second uh, half of the season. Basically, um, when you were signing this one year deal, did, do you weigh that possibility that if you guys aren't in the playoff hunt, that you know you're a pending UFA, and you know Anaheim could probably get a lot for you? Do you balance that in? Is is that harder when, when you have a family that you might be uprooting middle of the season? No, I mean, I think that's just the side of the business that you have to understand. So uh, signing with Anaheim, it, it wasn't a big deal that we were going to get that because obviously uh, they're signing me to be there for a year now and, and help the team win. But uh, depending how how things go, we want to be able to, to see, see us around for different options, not just the team, but uh, me as well. And I think I think it came down to that and it was a great fit for, for both parts where uh, we'll see what happens in the future. But obviously the main thing is coming down there and, and having a, a successful season as a team. And if the team is successful, I think uh, it's gonna, I'm going to be successful in the individual part as well. John, a lot of the time we, we kind of forget maybe the human element of it. Uh, you know, playing in, in your last year of a contract after a long-term contract, it's something you never really had to worry about. You just went out and played. Did it weigh on you at times during the year that you didn't have the contract extension? You were obviously very happy in Dallas. So how did those conversations go? You know, we'd heard about trade requests. Was, was it a mentally different year for you? And, and did it have any impact on how you played at times? Yeah, I think a uh, a few things that came out in media wasn't true, uh, but that's that's a lot of things that you can't control and you just keep playing. But of course, I was frustrated at some times. I I think that I was in, in Dallas for, for eight years and uh, I helped the team to be successful there and I saw myself resigning there. Um, but it's a business and uh, I was looking maybe uh, for something that the team was looking for something else. and. And like I said, it's part of the business and, and you move on. And um, at times it was frustrating, but at the end of the day, I think I I did what I could last year to uh, to help the team win and, and put myself in a good situation, situation. But also at the same time, I feel like I could probably have done some something differently, but that's all in the past. Um, can't do anything about that now. And I'm just looking forward to to the future here and having a good year down in Anaheim. Looking ahead to the Ducks, uh, they made a big change last year. Uh, for years, their power play had really struggled, John, and you're obviously a pretty good guy on the man advantage. They took a big step forward. When you're looking and signing at teams, are, are you looking at specific things like that, like how I would fit in on the system that they run on the man advantage in Anaheim, for instance? Yeah, uh, I think so. And that's kind of a, the things you narrow down when you you know you're going to probably sign a one-year deal or, or, or a short-term deal that it has to be a great fit for, for that year to put yourself in a good situation moving forward, but also helping the team win. It's, it's, a, team, it's a team game and 
Um, if the team is successful, once again, I feel like I'm going to be successful as well. Uh, yeah. So you kind of look at those different situations. Obviously I think me and Pat, when we had the discussions, uh, before I signed, uh, I got a lot of answers on what my role was going to be and what they thought about me as a, as an individual player, but also the fit for me as uh, playing in Anaheim as a team. So that's kind of all the things you, you run down and weighing pros and cons from different teams. And at the end of the day, I felt like Anaheim was a great fit for me for, for a year to start with a year and we'll see what happens uh, in the future. Did you rely on any Swedes as well? Obviously Hampus Lindholm spent a long time there. Uh, you have Jacob Silverberg there. Are you close with any of those guys? What was, did they help you in the process? Yeah, I met Silverberg a couple of times, uh, but I'm really close to both Raquel and Hampus Lindholm. So uh, obviously calling them and, and running some options and, and thoughts with those guys. Uh, too bad none of them are there now, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's great that you, you have those uh, relationships with guys around the league that you can call in and, and see and get their thoughts on it. You mentioned the idea of talking to Pat in terms of fit. And, you know, Jason was asking you about the system and what it might look like with you on the power play. How active do you think other guys that actually get to free agency are in that process? Like you seem to be really dialed in in terms of asking questions and, and getting answers. I don't get the sense that as many other players are. Why, you know, why do you think that is? And, and what was it like sort of being involved in the process? Yeah, no, I think it's important. I mean, like I said, we were coming in at free agency and looking for a longer term deal. And, and that also has to be a great fit. It, you have to understand that, okay, what do the team expect from you? And what do you expect from the team? Uh, and that's the questions I feel like you really have to ask to, to be able to come there and be successful. So, you know, you're on the same uh, thoughts of uh, how you want the team and how they want me to play. And, narrow it down knowing that it's going to be a one-year deal it was even more important i think uh, on an individual level to know that i obviously put myself in a good position moving forward and maybe trying the market next year or re-signing in, in anaheim or whatever is going to happen uh, it had to be a great fit and and knowing what the team expect from me and knowing what the team expects of the team as well so i think it's important that you you obviously uh, make those calls and maybe running those conversations with the GM and the coaches to know that this is what we're expecting of our team. And if we add you, this is what we expect out of you. So uh, it's just, it's just a part of the business that I know and wants to have answers on. So I know that I can come in to a new team and be as, uh, as successful as I can be. John, uh, on our show, we always like to end our interviews with a little bit of rapid fire, uh, some fun stuff. Uh, the only rule is you have to answer the question. Okay. All right. Okay. What is your favorite Swedish food? Meatballs. Okay. Now, if, if you're taking Frank and I out for dinner in Sweden, what restaurant are you taking us to and why? Uh, Toso. It's a restaurant in, in Gothenburg. I think it's a... Uh... Uh, it's a great restaurant in, in downtown Gothenburg and it has some, some great vibe and good sushi. Good. Okay. Sushi. All right. I like that. Now I was looking up, are you a metal fan? Because metal music is huge in Sweden. Uh, I'm not the biggest metal fan. I'm kind of listening to all different kind of music, but uh, it's not my first choice. 
Now, because I, I actually Googled up the top 10 Swedish bands and most of them were metal. And I like Opeth and Meshuga and Bathory and stuff like that. Um, is like, have you been to a metal concert in Sweden? I've heard that it's quite the uh, quite the event. Uh, I haven't. No. <laughs> oh, OK. Now, are you an ABBA guy? Uh, yeah, I think when you you go into the dance floor and, and feel some some dance moves, ABBA is a great choice. Okay. Um, which one of your former teammates would have fit in best as a Swede? Uh, ben Bishop. Why? Uh, just very social and outgoing guy. Uh, I know you guys probably doesn't think that of Swedes. That's probably just because they're uh, a little shy of talking English. But other than that, I feel like a lot of Swedes are very outgoing. Oh, actually, honestly, most of the sweet guys, they all come across as like genuinely beauty guys, like super outgoing. Um, what was your favorite hobby as a kid? <sighs> I was always into hockey, all different sports, but hockey was my number one. And that's kind of all I wanted to do. Now, if Carl Ole and John Klingberg, who is the best footballer? That would be me. <laughs> Is there anything that your brothers are better at than you? Uh, yeah, my brothers are probably better at me than lift, uh, at lifting weights. I'm not the biggest <laughs> and strongest guy, so they're probably a little bit stronger than me. Okay, so uh, they spent a little bit. So what is your least favorite workout in the gym? Everything upper body. <laughs> Really? So, so if John Klink were like, if, so bench press is not your forte. No, uh, you skate with your legs. So I prefer doing leg work. Okay. I like that. Uh, are you a reader? Uh, not really. No, no favorite movie. I like the Lord of the Rings. Oof, I like that. And now that you're going to Anaheim, have you been to Disney? Uh, have you been to, well, to, to Disneyland? I've been once. Uh, I actually went there with Raquel uh, once. So I've uh, been there once. It's probably going to be a lot of times now with one daughter and another way, another one coming as well. Oh, wow. Second one. I love it. Now, what, what was your go-to ride? Like, are you a roller coaster guy? Do you go on, like, do you like the, the scary, twisty rides or are you more of a passive rider? Uh, growing up as a kid, uh, obviously roller coaster was a lot of fun, but uh Nowadays, I feel a little bit dizzy doing it, so I'm probably more of a passive rider now. Okay. Awesome, John. Thanks so much. Uh, I really appreciate uh, your honesty, and uh, best of luck in Anaheim. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you, John. John Klimber, I love his honesty, Frank. Not a fan of the upper body. He's like, hey, you skate with your legs. Uh, I love it. Yeah, uh, the legs feed the wolf. Isn't that what they say? So um, <laughs> he's, uh, he's definitely an honest guy, and I, I like that he's – an emotional guy as well. You think back to the story that was out there about, you know, the trade requests and all the different things. And I know how he said, you know, not all of what was reported was accurate. And I, I believe that to be the case, you know, just talking to some people around the stars organization, them saying immediately, you know, his will to win his want to be a star um, for a long time, you know, it was a painful process that they went through last season. And I think you hit on, you hit it on the head when you said you asked him about the idea of it potentially hurting his game on the ice. How could it not? Those types of yeah. things 
deeply affect players. And when you go through that, it's hard. And then to come through it now and sign a one-year deal, I wonder if having, you know, and I asked him a little bit about that, the idea of being on a one-year deal, not everyone's suited for that, right? Like, I wonder if what he went through this past season is going to allow him to park some of those thoughts and be better for it on the other side. Yeah, it's totally. I, I think a lot of times you can't overlook the human element, man. They're, they're still human. I don't care. That, that comes first. And some guys are going to deal with it better. And you being somewhere, it's the only team you played on. And you feel like like John Klinger, the eighth most points in the NHL amongst defensemen in eight years, like came in, scored 40 points as a rookie. Like that guy's done a lot. And he was on a bargain deal for a long time in Dallas. And so I'm sure there's part of him. It's like, geez, I'm loyal to these guys. And he felt like maybe he didn't get it in return. So uh, I, I'll be curious to watch him because Anaheim's power play took a big jump last year and it's only going to get better with Klingberg, man. That guy is legit on the back end. Uh, no question about it. Uh, let's welcome in Tyler Uremchuk for another rip roaring edition of buy or sell. Yes, I am back and buy or sell as always is delivered by our friends at DoorDash. Promo code rundown DD gets you 25% off and no delivery fees on your first order. It is the summer. You don't want to be firing up the oven and cooking stuff. Forget about it. Order on DoorDash. Use that promo code as well. Feels good to be back. Uh, You guys talked about the flames, obviously the big deal with the Panthers focusing on Calgary. Are the flames a top two team in the Pacific division? You buy or sell on the flames as a top two team in the Pacific division next season, Frank. I'll buy. I would go Oilers flames. Um, the reason I buy, I think the Kings are better. Are they in that echelon yet? I'm not certain. I'm not sold. And I'm still, I know everyone would say, what about the Vegas golden Knights? I'll tell you in October, you tell me who their starting goalies are or not starting goalie. You tell me who their goalies are period. What's Robin Leonard's health situation. Um, you know, Lauren Rossois is also injured. I believe. You tell me who's playing in goal and I'll tell you what the expectations are for the golden Knights. Yeah, no, fair point. Uh, so I, I will buy as well because the uncertainty right now of the, uh, of the Vegas golden Knights, without question, that's a, a goaltending position. Now, Hey, maybe Logan Thompson's ready to be the man, but oof, that's a big ask. That's a big risk to take. Uh, I will fully admit that this could change. I'll recognize that this could change, but I'm going to say the fan base around the league that should feel the most disappointed in what their team did so far this off season are Islanders fans. You know, you look at a team that obviously missed the playoffs. You were thinking they could make some big splashes to get back in. They haven't done that yet. So it could change, right? I'm going to say Islanders fans should be the most disappointed. Jason, you buying or selling? For right now, um, I'm Uh, actually, I'm going to sell. And um, I, I, if you're a Flyers fan, I'm not sure oh, how you can there be, you go. Can be ah. that that excited about your team, right? Like, what, what do they do? So I, I'm actually, I'm going to go with the Flyers because um, the Islanders still got cap space. They got room to do stuff. I just, I don't, the, the Flyers, they didn't get Johnny Gaudreau. And I don't know what they did to improve. Yeah. As soon as you said Islanders, I was like, Flyers fans are sitting here going, hold my beer. Like, <laughs> this is, this this market, this team, it's been an outrage among the fan base for the last number of weeks. Like they are furious. They don't like the fact that the flyers didn't get Johnny Gaudreau, even though I believe he came to them on free agent day specifically and said, I I am willing to take less to be here. Um, I think they were disappointed in the Nick Delorier signing. I think they felt like that was too long, too much money. 
Uh, I actually happen to think he's going to be a fantastic fit. That team really needed to be tougher to play against. And I think he helps. And I think he's also going to help from a culture perspective, uh, an incredibly well-liked guy everywhere that he's played member. I, I think I brought it up on one of the pods, you know, heading into um, free agency. Don't be surprised if Nick Delorier gets a long-term deal somewhere and that ended up happening. Um, but I understand the frustration and there's still so much that hangs in the balance in Philly. You know, that Ryan Ellis injury is enormous. Yes. That's going to, that's going to dictate a huge part of their season, how it starts, how their summer could have gone if he's not available to play lots of question marks around the flyers. And I, and I can sense and understand why the fan base is frustrated given that um, there was so much hype going into it with that press conference from what was it? January, February, when they made the coaching change and their CEO, Dave Scott said a blank check. That's what Chuck Fletcher is going to have to make changes. Um, I get it. Well, speaking of teams that maybe haven't done anything or whatever, I'm going to say we get one more blockbuster trade before the start of the season. One more big, big splash from someone. Frankie Biner selling. I know the term blockbuster can be loose and interpreted different ways, but one more blockbuster deal, one more deal where our jaws will kind of hit the floor and we'll be like, wow. Yeah. I'm just trying to think what, what constitutes blockbuster. Like nothing is going to be close to that Matthew Kachuk trade. Like that thing was an absolute whopper top line player, top pairing D man kind of thing. I'm just trying to run through the targets. I, I don't know. Maybe you see something with the Islanders, but I don't know if that counts, you know, does Beauvillier count as a blockbuster? I don't think so. No, Uh, I'm going to sell. Okay. Jay. As much as I'd love to, uh, I also have to sell. I don't, uh, I just don't see, I think, I think there's going to be a few deals here because some teams are going to wait to figure out what happens with the restricted free agents and where they're at cap wise after that. But, um, man, there's so many teams that are right up against that are over that, uh, you, you might see a few salary dumps, but I don't, I don't see any, uh, significant trade. All right, boys, we are getting Montana's messy with our bonus question for this week. I have ribs going in my oven right now. I can smell them. So I'm asking you guys, what is your go-to sauce on a nice rack of ribs, Jason? Oh, barbecue all day long. I Any, will, anything uh, specific in there? Like a smoky barbecue? What are we doing here? Uh, nah, I'm not a <laughs> man. You got so many different flavors. I, I just like a little barbecue and uh, I'll throw in a little salt and pepper on it. I'm very, uh, I'm kind of plain Jane. I'm not a big sauce. And I, can I say one thing? I don't mm. want my ribs where the sauce, I just can have enough that I can taste it. I don't need mm. to be drenched in sauce. Yeah. Too much sauce is the worst. Yeah. You don't need to be slathered and bathing in it. Yes. <laughs> I, I honestly, it, it, it all comes down to the meat. Like mm. if the meat is cooked properly, if it's falling off the bone yes. and juicy, you know, all you need is just a little cup to dip it in on your way in. If you want, um, I would like, I like a Carolina style barbecue sauce, vinegar based. Okay. Uh, that would be my choice. All right, there you go. Well, I'm going to duck out because my ribs are almost done. So you guys can continue doing your thing. That was another edition of buy or sell delivered by DoorDash. Frank, before we wrap up, I saw you tweet out, uh, Jesper Bratt. 
A uh, pretty significant difference. The last guy who went to arbitration was Tyler Bertuzzi in 2020. And uh, he went in asking for 4.25. Detroit was countering with 3.15. He ended up getting 3.5. So kind of in favor, really, of Detroit, if you, if you look at closer to what their offer was and what he asked for. Um, Jesper Bratt's got a pretty strong case, man. He's got a really strong case here. Um, do you think he ultimately goes to the arbitrator on Wednesday or do they have a last second deal? My guess is they find a way to make a deal. Um, I don't think you really want to put it out there in the ether where you have this guy on a, a one year arbitration award, and then you're trying to put the pieces back together or, or put the genie back in the bottle to keep him longer term. I just think it always works out poorly for team. I think, you know, you end up in a spot where the player really begins to hate you and vice versa. And in some ways, the fact that it's even gotten to this point and seeing the chasm that exists there more than two and a half million bucks that these two sides are apart. I know I've gotten a ton of social media hate from devils fans over the last number of months. I had Jesper Bratt on our trade targets board, uh, going back to the deadline. People were saying, then you're absolutely crazy. Um, even the New Jersey devils themselves, Tom Fitzgerald, their general manager came out and, and pretty vocally twice or three times said that, you know, Jesper Brad isn't going anywhere, such a big part of our team and that he shouldn't be involved. You know, anyone suggesting that he's involved in trade talks is nuts. Um, I, I can only tell you what I, what I know. And that's these two sides have really never been close. I think the devils have made an offer previously going back months on a long-term deal that was never even in the neighborhood of, of something that Jesper Brat would sign. And I kept writing it on the trade targets board until we sort of ran out of room and needed to put other players on. There's something up here until he signed long-term. And whenever that happened, not saying it won't happen, I'm just saying you got to show this guy some love. He's a late round pick, has come in and done everything that you'd ask him to do, has continued to develop and develop and to develop. And he sees all these other guys that don't have the longevity and the numbers that he's put up to warrant you know the contracts that they've gotten they have pedigree they're higher picks i'm talking about hughes and that massive contract that he signed right as the season started um look at the numbers and tell me that he's not in that same sort of neighborhood oh yeah it's totally fair man totally fair but and the other thing is even before him uh frank uh yakov trennan as we're recording this he's due to go to arbitration tomorrow Mm -hmm. And still hasn't signed. Yeah. Just a reminder for everyone listening to on the process. Once the hearing begins, Can't it's, it's binding. And that's, yeah. that's a change from the last few years where you'd hear teams go through the process or at least start the process and then settle before the arbitrator's award comes out, which is due within 48 hours of the hearing concluding this time. Now, once the hearing begins, you that's it. You can't go back. Whatever the, the ruling is, is what it is. And so my guess is unless there's a really unique circumstance, almost every case you see will end up being settled beforehand because no one really wants to go through with, you know, either side, all or nothing. Yeah. And, and, that's and by the fair. way, uh, speaking of arbitrator, we still have no resolution yet on the Evander Kane situation. Uh, I was told they don't even have a date set. Yeah. Well, that's, 
make it's now that he's gone through and signed with Edmonton, there's really no need, at least from a shark's perspective, you could keep, you know, keep just enough records at cap space for whatever you think it might be and handle it from that perspective. Cause that's all they need to do at this point. Yeah. Wow. I know. Well, Kane would like the settlement because uh, he's pretty confident. He thinks he's uh, you know, he's, he, uh, he has a strong case. So and I, uh, I it the is sharks are pretty confident. They have a strong. Yeah, case. Well, exactly. Right. Both, both believe it. And it's a game of cat and mouse. I just, I find it fascinating that they, the NHL can announce all the arbitration dates specific for the players. And it's been months now and they can't find a date for Evander Kane. Like yeah. I think the NHL is trying their best. To, they just want this settled and it's not going to be settled. Doesn't look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So interesting stuff, Frankie. We will uh, talk to you uh, next week as uh, we're in the month of August. Well, we'll be doing one pod a week and then we'll get back during the season up to uh, two. So uh, good seeing you again. And uh, we will talk next week. Enjoy the time off, everyone. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash. 
but there's more. You gotta decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount, and that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's gonna find the back of the net first, and you're gonna wanna be careful, because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you gotta predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail-biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.